You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. The reading this evening is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful that you have revealed yourself to us in it. We are so thankful that you have revealed yourself to us in your Son. In this time of year, this Christmas season, we recognize and we remember that you, Lord Jesus, not ceasing to be what you were, eternal God, eternal word, eternal son, you became what you were not. For the first time in time and space, you became man. You became flesh. You became like one of us, that you might represent us, that you might live for us, that you might die for us. So, Lord, we pray this evening in this time, even in these uh, good times, these times of joy and of laughing and of being with children and laughing with children, we pray that we might experience the joy of you come to us as the Christ child for others of us in this room who are experiencing times of remembrance, times of loss, times of grief. We pray that just as we have just heard read in Psalm 23, that you might be with us forever, that we might dwell in your house forever, that we might trust you as a good shepherd. And so we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Good afternoon and Merry Christmas. Just as Kyle said, it's just a kid's choir was all it took to up the ratio of gray hair to darker hair in this room. We are so glad to have you all with us. We, we, I say that not like as a dig. We love having gray hair in this room. We are a, generally a younger church, and so we are glad to have your wisdom amongst us. We are glad to have your smiling faces amongst us. Uh, if you're visiting with us this evening, we have been working through this month of December, the last four weeks in Psalm 20, Psalm 21, Psalm 22, and then this evening, this Christmas Eve service, uh, Psalm 23. We've been considering the theme of Christ as David's greater son how he came for us as a king, how he came for us as a substitute, and how tonight, how he's come to us as a shepherd. Or we might consider these three things under the categories of Jesus's crown, his cross, and his crook, his shepherd's crook. But because of all the little ones in the room, we don't even have a nursery going on right now, so we've got some infants with us this evening. Uh, This sermon is going to be pretty short, which I'm really bummed about just because of the depth of Psalm 23. It is one of the most well-known parts of all of Scripture. 
undoubtedly, um, even if just a, a phrase or two of what you heard Allison just read in Psalm 23, you likely recognize Psalm 23. One scholar considers why this is such a famous and well-known passage. He says it is short and therefore easily memorized. Many of you undoubtedly have this memorized. It is, get this, undemanding. It does not mention sin or suggest the appropriateness of participating in any ecclesial or church community. It simply seems to affirm that God accompanies the speaker and takes care of him or her. It is a psalm that could be used in public contexts, acceptable to both Jews and Christian, giving no offense to anyone. Like, it is very hard to be offended by Psalm 23. And while all of that is true, and all of that is surface, is very superficial, there's much more underneath the surface of Psalm 23. This thing has depth. And in this Christmas season, full of songs and images of shepherds, Psalm 23 is the image of the good shepherd. In this Christmas season, thinking of Emmanuel, of God with us, maybe no other place in the Bible illustrates so well of God with his people than Psalm 23. So in helping keep this short, I'm going to lean on David Gibson, a Scottish pastor and preacher, and his wonderful little book, you can find it for like 10 bucks on Amazon, called The Lord of Psalm 23. It's wonderful and worth investing in. But I'm going to use his outline tonight to consider Jesus in first who he is, what he provides, and then where he leads. Who Jesus is, what Jesus provides, and where he leads. So first of all, who is Jesus in Psalm 23? David asks, or says in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. There in our English Bibles, we see the word Lord in all capital letters, meaning it's a stand-in or a signifier for the covenant name of God, Yahweh. That name that means I am that I am. God being the all-sufficient one whose existence is in himself and from himself. That Lord, eternal, self-sufficient, self-existent, is God's people's shepherd, a very near shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes full responsibility over those under his care. Throughout Psalm 23, the shepherd is the one doing all of the action. And we, his people, are the passive recipients. Just look at the action verbs in Psalm 23 of what the shepherd does. He makes, he leads, he restores, he leads again. He is with me, he prepares, he anoints. But look how needy David is in Psalm 23. Gibson says that David requires food, rest, water, guidance, shelter, comfort, housing, helping, you name it, David needs it. If it exists, David needs it, and he needs it to be provided by the shepherd. Similarly, at the end of the psalm, David portrays the Lord as a banquet host. As both shepherd and host, both roles require Jesus to take full and absolute responsibility over those under his care, his sheep and his guests. He will not let his sheep wander to their death. He will not let the guests remain hungry or unfed. He will care for them. But with what? How will he care for them? If that's who Jesus is, that he is both shepherd and banquet host in Psalm 23, what kind of protection and food and even hospitality does he provide? So second, what he provides. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our word want really doesn't do justice in 21st century 
America to be what is being communicated, maybe the word lack is better. Because, you know, I'm sure many of us might be disappointed tomorrow in getting things that we didn't want. Uh, the last present wasn't the thing that you wanted. Uh, you might think, wait, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, I'm still wanting. But if you think about it as lack, there is a logic here. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. I shall not lack. Or think about it in another way. Because the Lord is my shepherd, what more do I need? Here is the psalm, verse 1. Here's all of Psalm 23 in one verse. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And what follows in the rest of Psalm 23 is just a working out of verse 1 that then gets ultimately fulfilled in the coming of Christ in, in the Gospels. You might be saying, wait a minute, this guy up here is saying Jesus a lot. I see nothing about Jesus in Psalm 23. But if Jesus is the one who provides what I need, if Jesus is the one that makes me lie down in green pastures, well, Jesus also has the crowds sit in the green grass where he feeds them an overabundance of miraculous bread. He leads me beside still waters. Jesus quiets the raging seas so that his people might see him, might trust him. He restores my soul. Jesus offers peace and rest from the attempts at finding what we think that we want, what we think we need, and actually offers himself what we actually need. Like Israel in the wilderness, our shepherd today provides the daily bread needed for today. Grace and provision for today. God does not offer hypothetical grace for some not yet experienced future, some hypothetical future out there. God instead offers real and practical grace to know him and trust him today. He offers us himself. And if this is who he is, a completely trustworthy shepherd and host, and if this is what he provides, peace and rest for today, well, is that all we have to hope for? Just peace and rest? Just a sentimental joy and peace this once a year at Christmas time? Instead, where is Jesus taking us? When Jesus comes to us in his first coming, and then if we consider Jesus as the good shepherd of Psalm 23, where does Jesus take us? So thirdly, where he leads. Ultimately, we see that Jesus leads his people at the end of verse 6, the house of the Lord, where David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But we can't skip to the end yet. In verse 3, David says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus leads his sheep into the right paths, the paths of what is good and true and right and just. But what is a path? A path is simply something that is there before you that has already been walked on before, right? The path is his path, his trail, the path of becoming like him because he goes out ahead of us. He leads, though. Do you see this? He does not drive. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He beckons and summons, and his sheep are those who hear his voice and follow. It says, yes, that is the shepherd worth following. I hear him, and I will follow him. And so we can expect the paths, the lives of Christians who follow him and want to become like him, to be then therefore easy and painless, bump-free, right? If Jesus, the good shepherd, is out ahead of us, well, verse 4 David goes on and says, says, 
even though, uh uh-oh, this concession, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Gibson says the days of deep darkness do not mean that we have left the paths of righteousness. The shepherd's trail, in fact, the days of deep darkness are where the shepherd's paths of righteousness are sometimes and often located. And this is how he leads. The world is a world that we pass through that is full of pain, that is full of suffering, that is full of disappointment, that is full of loss and full of death. With every day that we live, we get further and further away from our birthday and we get closer and closer to our death day, which is just as sure and certain as our birthday. Merry Christmas. But David says, this is reality, and keep walking. He says he will keep walking and keep following, and when he does so, he will fear no evil. These two little phrases are the only two active verbs of David, of the writer in the entire psalm. When he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil. While the rest of the psalm is passive and receives the goodness of God, active walking and active faith are required to continue to trust in the goodness and the rightness and to receive the strength of God. But why can David not be afraid? Why, though he walks through, I think perhaps maybe we think of the valley of death as still being, I don't know, kind of green grass, it's just nighttime or something, there's this shadow that's come over it, but many of you who have walked through deeper canyons, deeper rocky canyons in which no light can get to it, in which you have stumbled and you have fallen and there is death and loss. David says, even in that place, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Jesus himself walks alongside and leads his people through their suffering. And maybe this weekend, maybe this time of year, like every time of year, this time of year is a reminder of the difficulties, is a reminder of the losses in your life. But the existence of suffering, the existence of loss, the existence of death does not mean that he is not good, does not mean that he is not present. As it's been said, for if God is not in charge of the valley, how do you know he can get you through it? If he has not brought us there in the first place, then what in the world gives us the confidence that he can lead us out? Because I assure you the alternative is far worse. If God is not in charge of the valley, that's worse. Either God doesn't know what he's doing and he has led you into a place that he thought was going to be better, that's not a wise God. He's not worthy to be trusted. Or he was powerless to stop the bad. That's also not a trustworthy God. Or another alternative might be that all suffering is just meaningless. It's pointless. Any existence of suffering just shows us that God doesn't exist in the first place. Well, then there is no such thing as right and wrong. There is no such thing as good and evil. There is no such thing as truth and justice. We are just products of billions of years of time and chance and matter and atoms. And all that's true, I assure you. And oh yes, be kind to your neighbor because... No, you shouldn't, if that's the case. What, what good is there? What right or wrong or justice is there if God does not exist? But if he is leading, if he is the God of the valley and he is leading you the paths of righteousness through the valley of the shadow of death with both a rod, an offensive weapon to fight off violent and attacking threats, and a staff, a corrective hook 
to grab around the sheep's necks and pull them back on the paths to follow him, then in his presence, taking total responsibility over those in his care, he gives both defense and discipline. He gives protection and provision. He gives comfort and correction. Not always, but that what? So that we can just have more and more like existential peace, more felt joy or something? No, yes, but more. He's leading us through to somewhere on a road that leads to where? Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Our having nothing to do with providing the feast, only passively receiving. God's people are led to a feast of overwhelming, overflowing, overabundance out of the threats of the valley in verse 4 and into the warmth and the joy of the banquet in verse 5. And on the road, along the way there, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, like a, like a presidential motorcade driving down the interstate. Goodness and mercy going ahead and coming behind. Those, the goodness and the mercy of God will get me there. Not my righteousness, but Jesus's. Not the strength of my steps, but the strength of the steps of the one in front of me whom I am following, who sometimes I am doing just my best to grab hold on the hem of his garment and have him drag me there, but trusting that he can. And it's this shepherd that we come to know and love and trust even more in this season. Not merely to unbox for a month or so and then on Monday morning, or on Tuesday morning, uh, put back in the attic for another year and get him back out, not just as a meek and vulnerable baby, but as a protective and strong shepherd who protects and leads his sheep. If you're visiting today, we'd love to for you to join us again. We'll be back here next Sunday, the Sunday after that. Beginning back on January 7th, we'll return to the Gospel of Luke to learn from and to understand the character and the power and the glory of Jesus, to understand more deeply the paths of righteousness that David considers here, that Jesus leads his people on, that we might with confidence say and mean and experience truly and with strengthening faith every day of our life, yes, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you say that? Can you say that in this season with confidence? Or are, there, or are there questions? Are there anxieties about saying, yes, because of my knowledge of Christ, because of my faith in Christ, because of what he has come to do and what he will do again in the future, I can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This Christmas season, this Advent season, is a season of waiting, waiting for the first arrival of Jesus as we await his second arrival, his second coming, this time between the times. We recognize the darkness of the world around us. We recognize our need for Jesus and his light. We, need, we recognize our need for him to come and make things right and new. And we need his strength and his power to do it because we cannot, but he can. He is a strong and powerful, wise and good, near and kind shepherd. So that we can say with growing confidence and faith, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hey, you little kids, did, there's not even crying. I, 
I think I just should have prepared and kept going for like 20 more minutes, but I'm sure none of you are disappointed. Uh, We're so glad that you've been here this evening. We're going to come to the table now. Kyle's going to introduce and welcome us to this covenant meal that we here at Christ Church take every week together as we remember what the Lord Jesus has come to do and will do again. And then we're going to sing some more. We're so glad that you've been with us. Merry Christmas. Let me pray. Our Father, we are so thankful that you have sent your Son, that through your Son you have sent your Spirit. O triune God, we love you, we worship you, we come to you humbly as you, Lord Jesus, have come to us humbly. Lord, you have come to save us, to redeem us, to love us, to lead us. And so, Lord, we pray that in this time, this season of Christmas, we might see you and behold you as you truly are, not merely as a humble and meek and mild baby, but as king of the cosmos, king over each and every one of us in this room. God, we pray for those who might not with confidence be able to say, yes, you are my king. Yes, you are my shepherd. Yes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We pray that you would use this time. We pray that you would use this season to draw sinners to yourself, all of us in need of your grace, your kindness and forgiveness. We pray for life. We pray for hope. We pray for joy. We pray for love. We pray for peace that we might know you forever. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.